Today is the last Sunday after Pentecost, the final Sunday of our church year. We'll start uh, year B next Sunday with the beginning of Advent. But today, since about 1925, this day has been called Christ the King Sunday. You know this? I don't know. Maybe you do. In terms of public awareness, I think this holiday ranks right up there with like Bubble Wrap Appreciation Day or uh, National Scrapple Day, like these holidays that really do exist, but only for a few people with some very niche interests. But in 1925, Pope Pius XI not to be confused with the other preceding ten piouses uh, who were pub. There's a real shortage of pope names. Have you noticed that? <laughs> pope Pius XI looked around in 1925 and noticed that the world was growing ever more secular. Folks had stopped paying so much attention to popes. And particularly what popes had to say about which lands belonged to the Holy Roman Empire, and even more notably, who gets to govern those lands. So Pope Pius XI makes a declaration. The final Sunday of the liturgical year will be called Christ the King Sunday. The official title is the solemnity of our Lord Jesus Christ, King of the Universe. I am not making this up. (laughs) King of the Universe, because no one listens to popes anymore. It's sort of breathtaking in its irony, isn't it? It reminds me of driving through home through these abandoned back roads in Kansas, making my way home and spotting a billboard in the middle of a field urging me to follow Jesus. Like, I'm covered, <laughs> and there's no one else here. Who are you talking to right now? The irony of Christ the King compounds when you start to enter into Scripture. Because there is actually a story from the Gospels where people are searching for Jesus because they want to make him king. You know this story? He sees them coming, and he knows what they're about to do, and you know what he does? He runs away. Not making this up. Christ the King Sunday. And... How is it that this passage is not our gospel for today? (laughs) What does come up in the lectionary on other years is the conversation where Pilate has the prisoner Jesus uh, brought before him. Pilate looks this unremarkable, beaten, shackled, dirty Jewish guy up and down and says, So you're some kind of king. Pilate is laughing. And Pilate is us. We know what kings are, and it's not this. Stories about kings are all over Scripture, all the way back to the beginnings of the Hebrew people where the semi-autonomous tribes got together and said they wanted a king. The The people clamored to the prophet Samuel, we want a king, give us a king, we need a king. God... 
actually sounds a little hurt in the response. God says, why do you need a king? You've got me. You don't want a king. Kings take the best parts of what you have. They'll take your earnings. They'll take your children. You do not want a king. But the people clamor on. We want a king. Give us a king. We need a king. Saul is chosen by Lot, and the report on Saul's character that we get first off is that he is tall and handsome. That's it. We get no discussion of his disposition, policy, manners, pedigree, education, history, but he is what we want in a king. He's tall and he's handsome. And man, if that story doesn't keep repeating itself ad nauseum, I don't know what it is in us that needs a king. Someone tall, standing ahead above the ordinary masses. And handsome, yes. And if he can't be exactly handsome, his magnetism can more than make up for it. We spend so much of our time on kings. There's something about the number of followers one can attract that makes us ready to pledge allegiance to them ready to pledge allegiance to their way of life, their way of telling us who is in and who is out. Of course, you have all picked up on the fact that I am not talking about actual kings, given that I live in a republic where our kings get cycled through more quickly and with more variety. I don't mean actual kings until I do mean actual kings, Even the British monarchy, completely gutted of its official authority and power, enthralls us. We love kings. I don't know where I heard once that the marker of a good government is when you don't notice it in your life, but I don't think we believe that at all. We love kings. We obsess over them. We feed them with ourselves. They drive children from their parents. They take the best parts of us. Christ the King Sunday. A small and strange billboard posted in a land where all we know are kings. Even our gospel today seems ready to tell us who is in and who is out. The sheep and the goats a delineation of our allegiance. This is one of the more famous passages of Scripture, from Matthew 25, where we hear that feeding the hungry, clothing the naked, visiting the prisoner, welcoming a stranger, are the unlikely markers of those who belong and are made for God's kingdom. Nothing at all about accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, just these humble actions. Episcopalians tend to like this one, probably Catholics too. Though we're not as likely to quote the latter half of this passage, where we hear of the fate of those who do not feed the hungry, or clothe the naked, or visit the prisoner, or welcome the stranger. 
that they are headed for the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. I read Matthew 25 with relief and conviction in both kinds. I have done those things that put me in the in crowd, part of the sheep. And then I have also not done those things and feel the impossibility of having enough for everyone who asks something of me. I am both in and I am out, a strange chimera of sheep and goats. Maybe some days I'm all one or the other. Maybe you are too. And maybe this dichotomy is the right one to hold on Christ the King Sunday. That this allegiance we're swearing doesn't turn you into a righteous Christian soldier in the king's ranks ready to go out and conquer everyone else. But it actually begins to blur the lines in between enemy and friend, the line in between who's in and who's out, that line that runs right down the middle of you too. This would make a kingdom that subverts all of our ideas about kingdoms. This is one that could end our fascination with rivalry and celebrity and scandal. This is the king that dismantles kingship. This is the king of no kings at all. And you crown him in your humility. You crown him in your tears.